Fiery Wooing of Mordred. Written by Jason Farley. Based on the short story of the same name by P.G. Wodehouse. Interior. The Angler's Rest. An angler's pub with fish on the wall. It is filled with fishermen, fisherwomen, a pretty lady tending the bar, and waitresses. Decorated like a cabin, there is a garbage can by the door. The men at the bar tell fish stories while the lady tending the bar dries a pitcher. It was this big! I'm telling you, it was this big! Well, I wrestled and wrestled for hours before I finally pulled mine in. It makes that one on the wall look like a preteen. That ain't nothing. Have I told you all the one about the Lewiston, Idaho sturgeon I caught? I wrestled with it all throughout one night. It pulled our canoe for 22 miles before I finally pulled it in. There is nothing with quite the glory of an old-fashioned fish story. One of the fishermen walks out the door and throws something in the garbage can by the door, which begins to smoke. Oh, seriously, I had to wrestle the shark into the boat, cut the shark open, and take my arm down to the doctor where they could sew it back on. I can always feel it in my elbow when a storm a-brewing. The garbage can lights on fire. The men begin to run around, shouting for water. The barmaid calmly walks over and puts the lid on the can, extinguishing the flames. The youth these days... Unable to remember where to dispose of their lit cigarettes. Like Mordred. Like who? Uh, like whom? Excuse me, of course. Like whom? A nephew of mine. Mordred Mulliner, the poet. Mordred? What a sweet name. And one that fitted him admirably. He was a lovable and sensitive youth. Large eyes. You might even call them fawn-like. And... Excellent teeth. Teeth are very important. I mean, for looks, of course, but also for eating. Yes. Yes. And it was owing to them that the train of events I'm about to relate got rolling. He bit someone? No, but if he had had no teeth, he would not have gone to the dentist that day. And if he had not gone to the dentist... Then he would not have met Annabelle. Annabelle whom? Who? Oh, quite. Annabelle who? Annabelle Sprocket Sprocket, the only daughter of Sir Murgatroyd and Lady Sprocket Sprocket of Smattering Hall. She, you will see, also had teeth. Interior, a dentist's waiting room. The dentist's waiting room has bland furniture, magazine racks on the walls, an admittance window, and a general feeling of sterility. The receptionist, Dahlia, sits behind the admittance window. The phone rings. Doctors, young men in spats, dentistry. This is Dahlia. How can I help you? Oh, hi, Freddy. I mean, Mr. Widgeon. A bell over the door rings. Mordred enters. Dahlia reaches down and pulls a fire extinguisher, which she puts on her desk. Tuesday, 1.30 p.m.? Yes, Dr. Youngman can see you for a cleaning. Yes, I'm looking forward to it, too, Mr. Widgeon. Good morning, Mr. Moliner. 
Has it been six months? To the day, Miss Penderby. It's Mrs. Widgeon now. See? Congratulations. That's a beautiful ring. Thank you. Mordred takes a seat. Do you have a special lady friend, Mr. Moliner? Uh, n- no, Mrs. Widgeon. Uh, I'm a poet of the verse Libra order. It is all etherization of the modern angst and the ennui of green pain in the brain. Though that probably rhymes more than I would ultimately prefer. Far too, what not, you know? Too lyrical and balladish. Huh. I see. So only poetry, without all the poetry? Exactly! And besides, as a rule, we mulliners fall in love at first sight. The bell over the front door rings. Annabelle enters. Bird sounds are heard through the windows. Annabelle takes a seat. Visibly distraught, she checks her watch. (sighs) Courage. Mm, What was that? Take courage. It may not be so bad after all. Uh, how's that? Well, he may just fool about with that little mirror of his and decide there's nothing that needs to be done. Oh, I'm not worrying about the dentist. It's only that... uh, I live in the country and only come into the city twice a year. I was hoping to do some window shopping, but now I'll be waiting goodness knows how long. Hmm. Mordred has an idea. Perhaps you would like my place. I'm next. Mr. Mulliner, the doctor will see you now. Oh, (laughs) I couldn't. Annabelle is up and moving towards the door. Please, I shall enjoy waiting. It will give me an opportunity of, um, magazines. Annabelle leaves with the receptionist. I will catch up on my reading. Mordred lets out a significant sigh. (sighs) In this world, you will find the occasional dragon. There are days that it rains when you'd rather have sun. There are times in your life that your soul feels like what the cat dragged in. You've gone 15 rounds with the world and the world says you're done. As Mordred pulls out matches and a cigarette and drags the match to light it, Annabelle comes back out. He throws the lit match into the garbage can. It begins to smoke. Thank you for letting me cut in line. The garbage can begins to crackle and flame. I've got it. Dahlia stands with the fire extinguisher and puts out the fire. Oh, how silly of me. (laughs) I'm always doing that. Always? I'm a teensy-weensy absent-minded. I've burned down two flats already this year. Two flats? Burned them to the ground? Well, not to the ground. They were on the top floor. But you burned them? Oh, yes. I burned them. Well, well, well. Um, goodbye, Mr... Mulliner. Mordred Mulliner. Goodbye, Mr Mulliner. And thank you so much. Not at all, Miss... Uh, um... Sprocket Sprocket. Annabelle Sprocket Sprocket. Not at all, Miss Sprocket Sprocket. A pleasure. Annabelle exits with a ring of the bell over the door. Mordred sighs dramatically. Ah. Interior, Mordred's apartment, living room. There are burn marks over the garbage cans and a large hole burned in one side of the sofa. Mordred is on the half of the couch that has not burned yet. 
So this is infinite sadness. This morning my life was full, but love has used a beautiful woman to dig wells of grief from which I draw loneliness and despair. Mordred gets up and begins to walk around. The sweet showers of April have pierced the drought of March and pierced it to the root. The west wind, too, with its sweet breath, has given life to every wood and field. To tender shoots, this is the season for long pilgrimages. Like two ships passing in the waiting room, both on their way to live their lives. Now locked away in fate's callous tomb, just trying, trying to survive. This is why the poets write. This is why the singers sing. This is why the heroes fight. True love is such a fiery thing. Mordred begins to pace the room. My life till now has been in free verse. No lyric rhymes or metered words. And spying her, my ennui burst. Now all my skies are filled with birds. Rise like doves. There is a knock at the door. A messenger enters. Mr. Mordred Mulliner. I am he. I have a telegram for you from uh, Mrs. Aurelia Sprocket Sprocket. The messenger exits. Opening the envelope, Mordred reads, Dear Mr. Mulliner, My little girl has told me how very kind you were to her at the dentist today. I cannot tell you how grateful she was. She does so love. Love? What does she love? She does so love to walk down Main Street and breathe on the jeweler's windows. Ah. And, but for you, she would have had to go another six months without her little treat. I suppose you are a very busy man. Interesting supposition. I suppose you are a very busy man, like everybody in the city. But if you can spare the time, it would give my husband and myself such pleasure if you could run down and stay with us for a few days. A long weekend, or even longer if you can manage it. With best wishes, yours sincerely, Aurelia Sprocket Sprocket. Well, well, well. Mordred leans out the window and speaks to the day. Well, well, well. Mordred climbs out onto the fire escape. It seems frightfully significant. A marching band in a parade begins to enter the street below Mordred's window. A girl does not get a mother to invite fellows to a country estate for long weekends. Or even longer if they can manage it. Unless such fellows have made a pretty substantial hit with her. Interior, a large, beautiful entryway to a country manor house. Mordred and Annabelle enter through the front door. Mordred has a small travel suitcase and Annabelle with four brown paper grocery bags. Thank you for picking me up at the train station. Oh, it was no trouble at all. I needed to stop by the tobacconist anyway. Annabelle is unpacking and stacking boxes and boxes of cigarettes. So, here I am, and here you are. In fact, here we are. Together? For a whole week. Mordred finally notices the cigarettes. Um, that is, um, quite a heap. Uh, I promised Biffy I would bring him back some cigarettes. Biffy? Captain Biffing. One of the men at the hall this month. Also, uh, Guffy wanted some pipe cleaners. Guffy? Jack Guffington. 
I expect you know his name if you're at all interested in racing. He was third in last year's Grand National. Is he staying at the hall too? Yes. You have a large house party? Oh, not so very. Let me see. There's Billy Biffing, Jack Guffington, Ted Prosser, uh, Freddie Boot. Oh, he's the US Open tennis champion. Mm, Tommy Main Price and... Oh, yes. Algie Fripp, the Olympic diver. You know him, surely. Aside. Seems a tad unwholesomely crowded with manly beauty. Cheering slightly as a faint hope stirs within. You have also, of course, with you Mrs. Biffing, Mrs. Guffington, Mrs. Prosser, Mrs. Boot, Mrs. Mainprice, and Mrs. Algernon Fripp. Oh, no. They aren't married. None of them? No. The faint hope coughs quietly and dies. Ah. Uh, oh, I will be right I just need to deliver these to Biffy and Guffy. Annabelle leaves with arms full of packages. Olympians, tennis champions, chaps who ride in Grand Nationals, young Apollos, all. And I strongly disapprove of them all being unmarried. No spark of civic sense ought to have taken on the responsibilities of matrimony years ago. But no, intent upon selfish pleasures. They've each callously remained bachelors. Oh. Annabelle comes back in, hands empty. Mordred, do you have plenty of cigarettes? Plenty, thank you. Excellent. And of course, there will be a box in your room. As a matter of fact, two boxes, Turkish and Virginian. Men always like to smoke in their bedrooms, don't they? Father put them there specially. Very kind of him. Sir Murgatroyd enters Lady Aurelia on his arm. Annabelle takes Sir Murgatroyd's other arm. Ah, this must be Mordred Mulliner. Thank you so much for your kindness to our daughter. Yes, thank you so much. Just when I was losing faith that there was still chivalry in the world. A regular knight in shining armor. Did you get the cigarettes I put in your room? I do hope I have enough. Yes, well, you're welcome. For Annabelle, it doesn't even feel like chivalry. Simply what ought to be done, what must be done... Thank you for having me to your home. It is quite... A majestic pile? Yes, quite romantic. Many visitors have feelings. You may be wondering if it is expensive to keep up. Lady Aurelia and Annabelle each elbow him from their respective sides. Home isn't home without plenty of elbow room, I suppose. Biffy, Guffy, Ted, Freddy, Tommy and Algy all enter with sporting equipment. Sir Murgatroyd, Lady Sprocket Sprocket. What a property. Yes, indeed. Such a collection of classic race cars. I'm inspired to expand my collection beyond just Italian. And the tennis courts are top-notch. I may have to spend some time here before Wimbledon this year. If you'll have me, of course. Mm, the pool house reminds me of a little villa in France that I helped free from Nazis. Oh, yes. I remember that villa. I stopped in on my way to my time with the Peace Corps. And your pool is excellent. What a diving board. Perhaps Ted and I could use it when we get close to the Olympics. It's nice to train with a little peace and quiet, I've got to say. You know, I am hoping for that Olympic record this year. Why not go for world record? Pride comes before the fall, Biffster. Ted is the most humble guy on the entire Olympic squad. Real example to us all. Well, the mere modesty is really the thing that fuels real success. Hey, obsequiousness is what keeps the fire burning. It is the meek that will inherit the earth, after all. 
I've always said it is the friction of self-knowledge that keeps a true champion's tires connected in the curves. When I'm helping those poor, starving children... I think... Everyone stops what they are doing. I think that I will retire to my room. Let us show you the way. Interior, Mordred's bedroom. There is a writing desk with plenty of paper, a waste paper basket, a bed, and a window. Sir Murgatroyd and Annabelle are in the room with Mordred. It's very sensible of you to turn in early. So many young men ruin their health with late hours. I imagine you will just get into a dressing gown and smoke a cigarette or two and have the lights out in no time. You have plenty of cigarettes. I told them to see that you were well supplied. I always think the bedroom smoke is the best one of the day. Nobody to disturb you and all that. I hear you're a poet, eh? Of the modern school? I was once, yes. Last week. Well, paper is good for poetry. Or letters. Or really, any kind of writing. There's lots of paper. And here is the waste paper basket, which is always so necessary. Well, good night, my boy. Good night. Good night, Mordred. I look forward to seeing you again in the morning. Annabelle and Sir Murgatroyd exit. Mr. Conrad was right. There is a darkness at the heart of this world. First it supplies me with the vision that is Annabelle Sprocket Sprocket, and then it supplies her with a plethora of biffies and guffies. <laughs> Mordred takes up a piece of paper. But you know what you didn't see, Mr. Conrad? Love. And you didn't see that Annabelle would be looking forward to seeing me in the morning. No depressing modern poetry tonight. Love demands iams. Love requires rhymes. Mordred writes and speaks. Blue eyes, sweet lips. Mordred crumples paper and throws it in the trash. Oh, eyes are like skies of summer blue. Oh, love, oh, dove. Mordred crumples paper and throws it in the trash. Oh, lips. Mordred crumples paper and throws it in the trash. Blue eyes that burn into my soul. Sweet lips that smile my heart away. Pom-pom, pom-pom, pom-something, whole, go, and tiddly-up-de-ay. Gay, say, happy day? Mordred crumples paper and throws it in the trash. Blue eyes into my soul that burn. Sweet lips that smile away my heart. Oh, something-something-something-something part. You burn into my soul, blue eyes. You smile my heart away, sweet lips. Short, long, short, long of summer skies and something, something, something trips. Hips? Ships? Pips? Mordred crumples paper and throws it in the trash. No. It has to be perfect. Mordred begins to light a cigarette and then, shouting, throws the cigarette and match into the waste paper basket. Eureka! Oh, lips that smile, oh, eyes that shine like summer skies or stars above. Your beauty maddens me like wine. Oh, umpty, pumpty, turtity love. The waste paper basket begins to smoke. I'm probably my own worst critic, but there's definitely something there to work with. Mordred sniffs the air. Oh, for goodness sake. Fire! Fire! Biffy's at the window. Eh? Fire. What? Fire. F for Francis, I for Isabel. Oh, fire. Right. Oh. 
Everyone at the house comes rushing in. A line of buckets is formed, and the Biffies and Guffies get to work putting out the fire, which has spread to the curtains. Mordred keeps getting in the way and upsetting the buckets. Goes down with the spockets, buckets. The general calamity settles as the fire is overcome. Oh, there we are. The fire's out. Anyone know whose room this is? Mine. Everyone looks at Mordred. Yours? Oh, yours was it? What happened? How did it start? <laughs> must have started somehow. I mean to say, it must have, don't you know, uh, what? What? I was smoking, and I suppose I threw my cigarette into the waste paper basket, and as it was full of paper... Full of paper? Why was it full of paper? I had been writing a poem. Uh, a, a what? Writing a what? Writing a poem? Chap was writing a poem. You mean the chap writes poems? That's right. Poems. Well, I'm dashed. I regret, Sir Murgatroyd, that urgent family business compels me to return to the city immediately. I shall be obliged to take the first train in the morning. Interior, the library. Mordred is tossing and turning on the couch, trying to fall asleep. Uh, oh, sleep refuses to come when the human soul is on the rack. The soul of a man cannot just curl up and close its eyes and expect to get its eight hours as if nothing had happened. A prophet is counting sheep when each sheep in turn has the face of Annabelle Sprocket Sprocket. Especially when each Annabelle sheep glares at me. <laughs> Just before it jumps. I am tortured by a wild regret for what might have been. Mordred stands and looks out the window. Yes, with all these biffies and guffies in the field, I never had more than a hundred to eight chance of winning that lovely girl. But at least my hat had been in the ring. Now, now it is out. I believe... The very worst thing one can do when trying to make a favorable impression on the adored object is to set fire to a childhood home, every stick and stone of which she has no doubt worshipped since they put her into rompers. The voices of Sir Murgatroyd, Lady Aurelia, and Annabel are muffled but getting louder. Well, that's that. Mordred drives back onto the couch to hide. Yes, it is the end. The end. No good trying to struggle on against luck like ours. Here we are, and here we've got to stay, mouldering on in this blasted barrack of a place which eats up every penny of my income when, but for the fussy interference of that, that gang of officious ugly nitwits, there would have been nothing left of it but a pile of ashes with a man from the insurance company standing on it with his fountain pen writing checks. Curse those young imbeciles. Did you see that young frip with those buckets? I did indeed. Annabelle? Yes, father. It has seemed to me lately, watching you with a father's eye, that you have shown signs of being attracted by young Algernon Fripp. Well, let me tell you that if you ever allow yourself to be ensnared by his insidious wiles, or by those of William Biffing, John Guffington, Edward Prosser, Thomas Mainprice, or Frederick Boot, you wilt do so over my dead body. After what occurred tonight, those young men shall never darken my door again. They and their buckets... To think that we could have gone and lived in the city. Ah, 
in a nice little flat. Handy for my club? Convenient for the shops? Within a stone's throw of the theatres. Seeing all our friends? Had it not been for the pestilential activities of these guffingtons, these biffings, these insufferable frips, men who ought never to be trusted near a bucket of water when a mortgaged country house has got nicely alight. I did think that when Annabel, with a ready intelligence which I cannot overpraise, realized this young Molina's splendid gifts and made us ask him down here, the happy ending was in sight. What Smattering Hall has needed for generations has been a man who throws his cigarette ends into waste paper baskets. I was convinced that here at last was the angel of mercy we required. He did his best, father. Well, no man could have done more. The way he upset those buckets and kept getting entangled in people's legs. And very shrewd. It thrilled me to see him. I don't know when I've met a young fellow I liked and respected more. And what if he is a poet? Poets are all right. Why, dash it, I'm a poet myself. At the last dinner of the loyal sons of Worcestershire, I composed a poem which, let me tell you, was pretty generally admired. I read it out to the boys over the port, and they cheered me to the echo. It was about a young lady of Butley who sometimes behaved rather rudely. Father! Perhaps you're right. Well, I'm off to bed. Come along, Aurelia. Are you coming, Annabel? Oh, not yet, father. I want to stay and think. Do what? Think! Oh, think. Well, all right. Your mother and I are off to bed. But, Murgatroyd, is there no hope? After all, there are plenty of cigarettes in the house, and we could always give Mr. Mulliner another waste paper basket, and... No good. You heard him say he was leaving by the first train tomorrow, when I think that we shall never see that splendid young man again... Annabel begins to cry. Hi, <laughs> hello, hello, hello. What's this? Crying, Annabel? Oh, Mother! My darling, what is it? Mother, I love him. Directly I saw him in the dentist's waiting room, and something seemed to go all over me, and I knew that there could be no other man for me. Oh, and now... Oh! Mordred pops up from behind the couch. Hi there! <laughs> you, you, you love me, Annabel? You really love me? Yes, Mordred! Sir Megatroyd, I have the honour to ask for your daughter's hand. I am only a poor poet. How poor? I was referring to my art. <laughs> my income is quite fixed. I could support Annabel in modest comfort. <laughs> then take her, my boy, take her. You will live in the city? Yes, and so shall you. No, no, that dream is ended. It's true that in certain circumstances I had hoped to do so, for the insurance I may mention is in the millions, but I am resigned now to spend the rest of my life in this infernal family vault. I see no reprieve. I understand. You mean you have no kerosene in the house? Kerosene? 
If there had been kerosene on the premises, I think it possible that tonight's conflagration, doubtless imperfectly quenched, might have broken out again, this time with more serious results. It is often this way with fires. You pour buckets of water on them and think they are extinguished, but all the time they have been smoldering, unnoticed, to break out once again more in, well, in here, for example. Or the billiard room. And the billiard room. And the billiard room. And possibly, who knows, in the drawing room, dining room, kitchen, servants' hall, butler's pantry, and the usual domestic offices as well. Still, as you say, you have no kerosene. My boy, what gave you the idea that we have no kerosene? We have gallons of kerosene. The cellar is full of it. And Annabelle will show you the way to the cellar, in case you thought of going there, won't you, dear? Annabelle takes Mordred's hand. Of course. You will like the cellar, Mordred, darling. Most picturesque. Possibly, if you are interested in kerosene, you might also care to take a look at our store of paper and shavings, too. My angel. You think of everything. Sir Murgatroyd hurries to the desk and pulls out matches. Don't forget these, son. Sir Murgatroyd, smiling, tosses the matches to Mordred. 